This is episode 40 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Stephanie Level. She really, really turned me into a believer is uh, leading with your voice. Um, I, I remember my first day of my internship, my, you know, I came in and I was supposed to bring a hello song. And I brought a hello song and I worked really hard on it because I'm an overachiever. <laughs> and I worked really hard on it. I was really proud of it. And, and she was like, whoa, 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 whoa. She's like, your guitar is so loud. Like, because I was like, I'm going to play. I'm confident. I'm going to, I'm going to go in there, you know, and, and, and she really taught me that your voice is really the most powerful thing that you can use. And your guitar is this very, um, useful, uh, structural harmonic support for what you're doing, um, with your voice and how you're leading with your voice. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. And today's episode is my conversation with Stephanie Level, and we get into specifically working with young kiddos as a music therapist, and even more specifically, young kiddos in large groups. So tips and tricks to use for, as Stephanie says, crowd control, as well as some musical elements, tools, and cues to use in your sessions to assist with transitions, uh, attention, and anything else you might be trying to accomplish, as well as a little bit of philosophical conversation about what it is we're doing in the early childhood setting as music therapists. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those really help this show be more visible to people looking for this kind of content, and I'd love to be able to read some reviews on the other ends of episodes. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Music Therapy Chronicles, and we have a Facebook group you are welcome to join. If you haven't already heard, this month all Patreon donations will be given to the Australian Red Cross to assist with their relief efforts regarding the recent forest fires they've experienced down there. So please consider heading over to patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. The link is always in the show notes and contributing for the month of February to assist with that contribution. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Hi, thank you so much for having me. How are you doing today? Doing really well. We've got snow in Indiana and, you know, things are good. Things are nice and relaxed today. Good. I'm glad. Sometimes the snow can be cause for alarm, so it's good to hear that it's relaxing snow. Yes, and I'm an Idaho girl, so um, snow is my thing. I like snow. 
I mean, actually, I, I really like summer, but I like the winter. I like the four seasons. And if it's got to be cold, then I'd prefer that there be snow on the ground. <laughs> I relate. Cold rain, I think, is the worst because it like it just gets into your bones. Absolutely. Yeah. So to get us started, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself outside of music therapy? Outside of music therapy. So um, I am, I'm a mom to a very spunky six-year-old and I spend a lot of time with her. She's an only child. Um, and so we have, um, I, gosh, I don't know, outside of music therapy, I, um, I love to cook. I play a lot of music just for fun outside of music therapy. Um, I do a lot of music with my daughter. She is very interested in music and we do a lot of, um, piano. She's at the age where she can start sounding things out on the piano and singing along. And like right now it's nonstop frozen two, 24, <laughs> 24, seven, um, all that music over and over and over again. But it's, it's, it's really fun. So I guess, I don't know. I'm a family person. I'm kind of a homebody. I'm an introvert. And that's me. Awesome. Is Frozen 2 good? I haven't seen it yet. Yes, I think it's awesome. I think the music um, is really amazing. When I heard the soundtrack, I was like, oh, yeah. But, you know, when you they put it with the movie, um, yeah, the music alone made me cry during the movie. It's just Aww. very, very powerful. And it's like the kind of music that will give you chills just matched with the, the movie. Um so yeah, that alone makes it amazing. <laughs> awesome. Looking forward to it. I'll have to make yeah. myself an appointment appointment yeah. to go see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got it. You got to schedule it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is my self-care time. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so tell us about your music therapy journey to now. I know that you've had some, I guess, well, with Rachel Ramback's new book that just came out, you, you yourself are an innovator a little bit with how you've created your own path. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's been uh, very winding. I think that I've spent a lot of years trying to figure out what the best path is for me. So um, I went to Berkeley, graduated from Berkeley in 2009. And at that point, um, there weren't, you know, 2009 was a really rough year to graduate. Um, and so there weren't any music therapy jobs really just available. And so we ended up moving from Boston um, I got married right after graduation to my husband, who also went to Berkeley. Um, <clears throat> we um, ended up moving to Idaho, where I started programs. I started a hospital program at um, the only children's hospital in the state that didn't have music therapy. Um, I was working in a sensory integration clinic. I had a private practice. I was basically just like starting programs wherever I could to put some some kind of job together and, um, eventually ended up just working in private practice and then, you know, full time at the children's hospital. And, um, and I loved that, that hospital program was absolutely my dream job and a wonderful, wonderful program. Um, but then my daughter was born and, you know, working with sick kids, was a, it was just a, it took it to a whole new level. And, you know, my friends who worked in the children's hospital said, you know, this is kind of what happens. Like people start having kids and either they really need to work through that, what that is going to feel like now that you have this different kind of empathy for the parents. Um, and either it kind of works or sometimes it kind of doesn't and people end up leaving and going somewhere else. So what I thought was my forever job ended up being, um, <clears throat> not my forever job. 
And so I left there after three years um, to look for more flexible work so that I could be more flexible for my daughter. And then it just coincidentally at that point, um, right after, you know, shortly after I quit, um, my husband decided to go while well, he was kind of back in school. He studied recording engineering at Berkeley. He decided he wanted to go back and get his PhD. So he started applying for PhD programs and we found out we would be moving. Um, so we moved to Indiana and, um, since then I have, you know, I took a little bit of time off cause I was experiencing that burnout, um, from music therapy. And then of course I just found, I just found my way back. It just kept calling me back, calling me back. And so now I do something really different <laughs> now that we're in Indiana and I, I do a lot online. I do music classes at my daughter's Montessori school and, um, it has turned into something I completely didn't expect, but it's been really wonderful and fulfilling. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, and great that those things kind of coincided at the same time. So you were able to take that time, spend it with your daughter, find a course that kind of works for your needs. That's beautiful. Yes. And it was kind of perfect because you know, I, I, it was really, it would have been hard for me to leave my dream job to go somewhere else while my husband needed a PhD, just temporarily move somewhere else for a few years. And, but you know, it's just funny how life kind of works out, um, where I made that choice independently and then it, and then we happened to move across the country. So yeah. Hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yes, absolutely. So what inspired you to start your online presence? What drew you to doing that? Well, I, so I started teaching. So what happened is my daughter was going to this school and I found out we live in a pretty small town in Indiana uh, where Purdue is, um, West Lafayette. And, um, so my daughter started going to this preschool and I found out that her preschool didn't have a music teacher cause they couldn't find anybody. And so I thought, you know, for a couple of weeks, I kept my mouth shut, kept my mouth shut. And then I said, you know, cause I, I promised I wouldn't dive into something big, you know? Um, and then, you know, a couple of weeks in, I said, you know, I'm a music therapist. I'd love to volunteer to do music in, in my daughter's class. And so then I started doing music a couple of times and then they said, Oh, can we please hire you? And so I thought about it for a while and decided to just take on a completely new thing, which was preschool music classes, 20 to 25 kids. And I'd previously, you know, in the hospital setting, it's a lot of one-on-one. I mean, I consider myself an improvisational music therapist. Um, So, you know, I came into these preschool music classes and honestly, just, I was, I was terrible. I was really, really bad because I had never had the experience of, of wrangling 25 preschoolers, 20 preschoolers. And, um, you know, you, you really just can't walk in and make up songs like I was so used to doing, um, as an improvisational music therapist and, and make your, a lot of your decisions right in the moment and, um, follow the lead of the client and all of that. And, um, so, I started using a little bit more structured songs and structured things. And, um, and I started Googling things like music for preschoolers, music for kindergartners. And, and I wasn't quite finding, I was finding some great, great resources, but I wasn't quite finding the volume of them that I really needed. Um, and so I started, um, 
I started music for kiddos and I started my song of the month club, which is just my free email newsletter. And, um, it's, it's basically where I send out a professionally recorded children's song, original song, um, once a month to my email list. And I also send out the guitar chords, um, and lyrics to go with it. And, um, basically just started sending it out to music therapists and saying, Hey, this might be helpful to you too. And, um, a few months in one of my songs became, uh, particularly popular and kind of started spreading around the music therapy community. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I kind of have some selfish questions, I guess, because I am also in uh, one day a week, I guess more like two days a week, but broken up. I'm also in preschool classes oh, that yeah. are large and I would consider myself an improvisational music therapist. And ah, like you, yeah. I started out and I was like, what the heck in bop is going on? Like, what yeah. do I do? Like, yeah, yeah managing the expectation of their learning about what school is and sitting still is really hard for them. And I'm okay with that, but still keeping that container. So the first question that came to mind when you were talking was, how do you balance and create boundaries around being a music therapist at a school that originally sought a music teacher? Well, fortunately, they give me a lot of freedom. Um, and they are very delighted by the differences, um, that they see. Um, and, um, and, and so they give me uh, so much freedom that it's never, it's never come up. Um, they were just kind of curious to see what I would do. And then they were like, yeah, yeah, do that. That's, that's amazing. (laughs) So, um, I think, uh, I, it's really interesting to bridge that gap between I'm a music therapist in a more music education kind of setting. And it's something that I have talked to a lot of music therapists about because it's like, we're kind of like straddling this weird, um, this weird double, you know, title, I guess. And, um, it, you know, there are a couple of kind of amazing perks of it, like documentation, for example, like I don't have to do documentation for the kids, but I really approach it as a music therapist. And I'm really careful of the sensory environment. Um, I'm really careful of the kids who need some extra assistance and how I can support them through that. Um, and so much of what I do is I stay in the music and transition within the music and I keep the volume surprisingly low and I, I try to step back and look at the overall, you know, like arousal arc of the group and make sure that I can, can give them opportunities to move, but then I bring that back down and then I bring it back up and I bring it back down. And then when they're at the end of the group, when I hand them off to their teachers, they are, they are peaceful. They've had some sensory stimulation so that they are, you know, satisfied in a sensory way so that they can, can sit and wait for their teacher's instructions so that they're nice and quiet. I, that was a tangent. I'm sorry. Oh, not, not at all. I was nodding my head the whole time thinking, yep, yep, yep. That sounds about right. Because I, some days I feel like I have an existential crisis where some of my clients, it's very apparent what we're working on and maybe not necessarily what the goal is, but how I am helping them as a human being. But then I go into these preschool classes and 
whether it's a chaotic class or not, sometimes it's like, what am I doing? Am I enrichment? Am I providing that sensory need? Am I, is it always the end of the day and they're always wired? And so my goal is always to just, you know, meet them where they are, and bring them down. Um, so keeping those thoughts in the back of my head, which also can sometimes just drive me mad because I'm yeah. like, what am I really doing? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And then you bring in like the academic stuff and you, the nice thing is my daughter goes to school. So I know what they're doing at school and in the various classes based on what time of year it is, because she's been through the classes and, um, but yeah, it's like, you know, what am I bringing in? Am I making sure that I am hitting some academic goals and some social goals? We do a lot of social kind of goals in the, in the groups. And, um, but it is interesting because I, I don't ever want to be just entertainment, but sometimes I am like in those preschool classes, sometimes I am and I have to be okay with that, you know? Thank you for saying that out loud. <laughs> because it's it's true. Um, I also think to myself a lot of the times, if we're doing a, a familiar children's song, we're doing Wheels on the Bus, we're doing Five Speckled Frogs, whatever. Yeah. Um, what am I doing that the teacher isn't doing? You know, yes. if they already do this song, why is it important that I also do this song? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's been interesting, too. Um, cause I have, um, I have a lot of recordings of my music and the teachers that I work with have those. Yeah. And so it's like, and they use them, they use like my movement songs with my recordings and things like that. And I'm so glad they do. I gave it, I gave the music to them, but, um, but it is too. It's like, what are we doing? That's different here. And, um, I completely relate. It's, it's a challenge. Yeah. But that's great that you, have that resource you can give them for the day you're not there or you know the yes. time they they need that movement yes. they need that sensory input and they're familiar with your song to be able to use it if nothing else you've created the familiarity that they can then use in their day-to-day -day at school yeah very true yeah awesome so i here's another one i just thought of do you think being at a montessori school affects your position, your relationship with the students and the teachers and just the environment there versus being at, say, like a public preschool? Oh, um, yes, I think that's very possible. They, the teachers, most of the teachers that have worked at this school have worked there for like between 15 and 20 years. Wow. And they have a really um, deep appreciation and understanding for the importance of um art and music, working with your hands, being curious and diving into diving deeply into what the kids are curious about and what the kids are into. So for example, so I have, um, I have like eight preschool classes and then I have a kindergarten class and then I have a class that is first, second and third grade. And it's just like 22 kids and my daughter's in there. She's in first grade. And, um, <clears throat> that has been my biggest challenge is this first, second and third grade class. Cause, um, preschoolers, I feel like I've worked with them enough now that I really have them figured out. But, um, first, second and third graders in this mixed environment where they're used to a lot of like independent work and, you know, there's a bunch of teachers in there. So they get a lot of individual time with the teachers. And then all of a sudden I get them in a group, which they're not really used to being in a big group. So crowd control, as I like to call it with that is really a challenge. But, um, for example, with them, we have been working on 
a song and they have been contributing lyrics and we've been talking about things like acoustics and um, recording and the process of recording, which she has like mixing and mastering and everything. And they, they are so interested in it that we have just been able to dive really deeply into that one topic so that we're actually doing like a recording session with them in a couple of weeks where I'm going to bring in my recording equipment and then I'm going to send it to my mix engineer so they can hear what it sounds like as like a raw recording and then as a mixed recording. And they are so excited about it and the acoustics and the pop filter and all (laughs) the microphone and like every, you know, all of that. And, um, so it's, it's wonderful to, um, because of the Montessori environment, just be able to just kind of dive into what they're, what they're into. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. And what a great example of how you can expand things so much further than just a typical music education, even though Mm, you are giving them an education in music related content. That's awesome. Yes. And, and they happen to be like the, the kids, especially in the elementary program, they're really excited about learning and they happen to have these, these experiences in their classroom where they do go really deeply into one topic. Um, and so it's just natural for the environment and it's been a lot of fun, but I also have the kids, you know, I have them first grade, second grade, third grade. So it's like, I've had the third graders for a couple of years now. And so I can't really repeat, you know, things that I've done in prior years, like I can with the preschoolers, we can, but they're ready to learn. They're really ready to learn something different and have new songs and new challenges. And so it's, it's been a challenge and, um, and just thinking about how they think and how they learn and trying to support their learning um, with music. Yeah, that's a toughie. Yeah, sure. it is. <laughs> it's really fun. It's it's so fun. I leave uh, that class with a big smile on my face every week. Aw, that's yeah. beautiful. Those are the best. <laughs> yeah. So 22, 20, anything I think above 10 is giant. So tell us about your crowd control strategies (laughs) and how you use the music specifically to transition, maintain the attention of the group, all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, my, my first goal is always, always to get their eyes on me. And so I have a lot of strategies for doing that. And one of the ways that I that one of my strategies is, is genuinely my, my classes are very, very quiet. And if they want to be able to hear the music, they really need to be quite quiet themselves. And this has um, evolved over time because I think initially I tried to meet them at their volume level. Um, but I keep my guitar really quiet. I keep my voice very quiet and then I can strategically choose when to bring that volume up and when to bring that arousal level up. Um, but I do a lot of, um, musical cues. I do so many cadences and, you know, the way that I end my songs are very strategic. Um, just about every movement song ends in stretching, you know, a verse about stretching, a verse about yawning, a verse about wiggling eyebrows, which makes them really confused and makes them really focused for a minute and quiet down, um, has them, you know, touching their toes or reaching to the ceiling or acting like a sloth or acting like a turtle. You know, I have all these kind of tricks that I use at the end of my songs where I just kind of modify the very end of them. And then the end is often a cadence of sit down or, you know, something like that, that, that pulls their attention back in and helps me transition to the next thing. Or sometimes I just don't even really end the songs and I just go straight into the next thing. Um, 
one of my most simple songs is one of my most useful. Um, and it's called walk, walk, walk. And it literally, it's just acapella. It literally just goes, we're going to walk, walk, walk and stop. We're going to walk, walk, walk and stop. Turn around, reach up, reach down. We're going to walk, 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 and stop. And that is all that that song is. And at the end of lots of movement songs, I, am, I will often go straight into that one. And then the one, you know, we'll either tiptoe, we're going to tip, 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 tiptoe, or tiptoe, tiptoe, stop, or we're going to act like a sloth and stop, you know, something like that where I can um, have them standing and have them still doing movement, but, uh, transition them to something quieter with their body. So I call those transitional movement songs. I think I maybe made that up, but, um, kind of like going from an active movement song to a transitional movement song to sitting down. (laughs) Yeah. I like those a lot. So what about if you, let me gather my thought here. You've transitioned from this movement song and you've gotten them to sit down and what do you do usually next for your arousal level um, wave, your bell curve, whatever you call it? What do you, how do you usually plan your session from there? Well, so I typically start the session with new songs while I have their fresh attention um, and while I have their fresh attention, we do like a couple of new songs or a new book, music book or something like that. Um, I've been using a lot of music books recently and really love those. And then when they're kind of, you know, I just kind of keep an eye on them. And when they're ready to move, when their attention is is leaving and elsewhere, then that's when we stand up and we sometimes do two movement songs or one active movement song, one transitional movement song. Sometimes we do two active movement songs and a transitional movement song. And then usually after that point, um, I will introduce something like an instrument. Um, and I have kind of some specific ways. Um, I don't have like sets of 25 instruments, you know, so I, we don't do a lot where like kids are each get an instrument. A couple of classrooms have bells and things like that. Um, but I don't even use those very often because they can get so loud and overwhelming quickly. Um, so we, I have this routine that I have worked, worked on with the kids where we have, um, we have this very specific routine and it's all musical cues and it's how we pass instruments around a circle. And usually that's really good after they've moved a little bit and then their, their bodies quiet down and they're sitting down. Um, so for example, I'll get out the ukulele or something like that. I'll kind of show them how they hold it against their belly button and how they strum it. And then we'll start passing it around the circle. And their their cue is when the music starts, their turn stops. And when the music stops, their turn stops and they pass it to a friend. And they learn this over the first couple of weeks as I kind of walk around with them and show it, show them how it works. And then I play a chord progression on my guitar with a really clear ending cadence and no verbal instructions at all. And then when the music stops, you know, it takes them a second to process it and then they are able to pass it to their, their friend. And if they don't get it, if they don't hear the stop, then I will give them a more clear musical cadence and a more clear ending. And usually at that point, they will look at me. Um, and notice like if, cause it was a little louder or cause it was a little bit more of an obvious cadence. It had like a five, then a five, seven, then a one or something like that. Um, 
And, um, and then if that point, if they're not quite understanding, then it's most likely their neighbor's going to be like, Hey, pass the instrument. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but it works really well. Um, and it's, it's a routine that we have built up that, that it's, it's pretty amazing at how the whole group will wait quietly while an instrument is passed around the group. Sometimes when we get to like, you know, kid 18, like I speed up a little bit, you know, (laughs) I I shorten my chord progression or I shorten whatever I'm doing. Um, Sometimes if I have a kid that is particularly enthusiastic and loud and I can see the class really um, egged on by that, sometimes I'll shorten it a little bit, Um, you know, so, so I'm, I'm flexible in what I'm doing. Yeah. I think those are really great tips. So I recently took your course on music therapy ed. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And the the first part maybe was, was like all was like, here, have your guitar. Here are all these great guitar musical cue things to practice resources. Like it was phenomenal. It was one of those things that I wish this is one of the things about music therapy. I wish I could have like my textbook that I opened and played music like a birthday card, you know? Yeah, I... yeah. <laughs> so what what of those would you like to share with the listeners? Because I know I learned so much from that. Oh, it's been a while. I recorded those over a year ago. Let me think. Um, um, I'm glad you like that course. Thank you for taking it. Um, could be anything that comes to mind. It doesn't just have to be from the course, but that that's what sparked my interest of like, I, I'll stall while you think. So I went to um, a an internship concurrent session while I was a student at a conference, and the person um, chooses the interns for Seasons Hospice, and he said, I love interns from Berkeley because they mm. are so musical. He's like, I don't mm. know what you guys do, but you are so musical, and this, that, and the other thing, and when I was taking your course, and heard you were from Berkeley and I thought this is what he meant like these oh. these are things that must be ingrained into you that were probably just glazed over and here I am you know not learning them for the first time but finally grasping like oh mm. this is the clinical application of what they're talking about oh interesting oh that's really cool I I have noticed that, um, you know, there are a couple of professors and um, practicum supervisors and things at Berkeley where this this is like, this is their bread and butter and they are like masters at these musical cues. And um, my internship supervisor, uh, Lori Kubitschek from Massachusetts General Hospital, I mean, her watching her sessions are just mind blowing. She's just brilliant musically. Um, and, and it's these musical cadences, um, and something that she taught me actually that's in the course that she really, really turned me into a believer is, uh, leading with your voice. Um, I, I remember my first day of my internship, my, you know, I came in and I was supposed to bring a hello song. And I brought a hello song and I worked really hard on it because I'm an overachiever (laughs) and I worked really hard on it. I was really proud of it. And, and she was like, whoa, 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 whoa. She's like, your guitar is so loud. Like, cause I was like, I'm going to play, I'm confident. I'm going to, I'm going to go in there, you know? And, and, and she really taught me that your voice is really the most powerful thing that you can use. And your guitar is this very, um, useful uh, structural harmonic support 
for what you're doing um, with your voice and how you're leading with your voice. So something she taught me that's maybe a little bit more like concrete leading with your voice is like this just magical thing of, ah, and just hanging out there, ah, um, and eliciting some kind of response and landing, ah, ah, ah. And so you can imagine like a kid, their arm is raised and you've got the, the vocal musical cue of, ah, and you watch their hand. And when their hand hits the drum is when you kind of land, um, with your voice. And then you can reinforce that with your guitar by having, you know, the five one or something like that and having the, and, you know, and stopping your guitar, like, like the stopping the sound on your guitar is such a powerful tool because it totally amplifies whatever you're doing musically. Um, and also again, it just, it has the ability to like capture attention and draw attention in and have that kid, you know, look at you. Yeah, that was a great one. And I can imagine how that would be so much more effective in a group of 20 children um, where you're trying not to overpower their voice to get their attention. It's, mm -hmm. it's something more subtle that you could do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I have really, I have really taken that, you know, guitar volume thing to heart where, um, where it really doesn't need to be loud. It, it needs to be, you know, in my, in my opinion, it needs to be very clear as far as like, um, matching your music to your lyrics. Like if you say stop in your lyrics, you know, obviously not only do you stop what you're doing on the guitar, but you mute it, you know, um, it needs to be really reinforcing to the song and the goal and the objective and everything, um, in there. Um, um, but it doesn't need to be loud. Yeah, well said. Do you have any other music tools, tricks, cues you want to share? Hmm. I will let you know if I think of one. I can't think of another specific one at the moment. That's fine. Let's transition <laughs> back to music for kiddos and what you're creating okay. over there. So tell us about you mentioned your um, email newsletter which yeah. is great. I highly recommend everyone sign up for that. I use the music myself all the time. Oh, awesome. Um, so what other resources and stuff are you creating over there? Yeah, it's been an interesting, so I started it two and a half years ago. It's been really interesting to kind of figure out um, like what I want to do on there. And um, so um, I did the course through Music Therapy Ed I also released a course on my website called Ukulele for Kiddos, and it's a it's a mini course. So I'm all about like not much fluff. Like I am all about kind of getting right to it and keeping things super super simple. And um, so this course was because I was teaching my third graders how to play the ukulele at the school, and I bought a few curriculums that were really complicated, and I just needed something really, really simple, um, like teach this first, then this, then this, then this, then this. And so, um, over a couple of years of teaching them, I basically ended up making my own curriculum of, you know, slowly, you know, what do you add first and then how to get them to understand the structure of the music? Um, because that's really hard if you're eight or nine. Um, and, um, so anyway, I created this ukulele for kiddos course and it's just like 12, 
lessons and it's a five minute video so that a music therapist or even a parent or music teacher can watch the five minute video and then immediately go teach a, uh, a class on that. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. And so I, uh, have that. I'm releasing another mini course in a couple of weeks. So it's the end of January. So I'm releasing it like, I think like February 17th is my release date. And it's, uh, it's a mini course of 12 movement songs Ooh. and, um, movement songs are my jam. Um, that's like mostly what I write if I don't try and write something else. <laughs> um, so, um, so I'm releasing that in about, about a month and I'm, oh, I'm so excited about that one. And then about six months ago, seven months ago, I really, I started, um, the music for kiddos community, which is basically, it's a resource site. Um, so it's, you know, access to all the songs that I have ever created in a locked area on my website. But, um, I, I have been having this really, uh, important kind of epiphany over the last year that, um, that is related to my past burnout and related to just being an introvert, I think, and related to this online community that I felt I really had in Facebook and in Instagram as I was on Facebook and Instagram. And, um, so I decided it really needed to have a community aspect to it and that's a huge part of it. So it's a resource community and it's a very tight knit, tight knit group of us and we share resources and we get to know each other and we support each other. And, um, you know, by getting to know each other, we can be share more pinpointed resources and, uh, and they're from trusted colleagues. And, um, so that launched, uh, last July. And then again, just a couple of weeks ago and every time it's launched, launched, cause it's a pretty, it's a pretty small group. It's just, it's sold out in a couple of days and it's been really, really, really exciting and fulfilling. And just, it's like, I accidentally created my own cure for burnout for myself and others, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> How cool is it that these things come out of um, a need, a necessity yes. we have? Yeah. And we create this project that touches so many other people. Yeah. And I just, I try and listen, you know, to myself and to others and just kind of take, take baby steps um, towards what feels right, you know? Are there any resources you can think of you want to share with the listeners? Anyone um, mentioned? Yeah, like, uh, like, as in, I, I would be happy to send like, um, like my most, like five, five most popular songs, you could put them a link to some way to share them on Dropbox or something I in the show notes. Totally do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I would be happy to do that. And I will link um, all the other courses and stuff you just mentioned, too. Oh, cool. Sounds great. Awesome. Anything you'd like to add before we move into rapid fire? Um, no, I don't think so. Awesome. Coffee or tea? I am a tea drinker. I love coffee, but it doesn't make me feel great. So I'm a tea drinker <laughs> and uh, green tea, just green tea. <laughs> Do you have a preferred green tea? I like Numi Jasmine green tea. I yes. like a jasmine too. That's my yes. preference. Yep. Early bird or night owl? Uh, major night owl. 
I didn't used to be, um, but for some reason I, I am now. And uh, I have to convince myself to go to bed by like one, midnight or one. I try to get, like, I try to stop what I'm doing at 11, but I have a hard time with that. Um, I'm just a, I'm a highly passionate person. I have a lot of things I like to work on. Um, so, um, so yeah, major night owl. Good for you for having so many passions you can work on. <laughs> Thanks. Something you'd tell your younger self. Oh, it's a related to the last one, just to, um, slow down and not take on so much. Um, that's been a constant battle for me. I think back to being a kid even, and I, I've just always, always had these big, big projects that I've worked on and, um, I love doing them, but then also, you know, I, it's hard to keep the life balance. So, um, so yeah, slow down and don't take on so much because life is short and you've got to enjoy and, and relax and take care of yourself, all of that. Yeah. Your music therapy elevator speech. Mm. <laughs> oh. um, so using music for non-musical goals. Um, and so I usually like to give an example. So I'll say something like, music therapists are specially trained and certified to use music for non-musical goals. So for example, if you have a child um, that has a certain kind of leukemia, their treatment is going to be three years long. And so the music therapist plays a really important role in their treatment because it is very important that when they step into the chemo suite, when they step onto the hospital floor, when they step into the clinic, they are not immediately met with dread, anxiety, fear, which can lead to pain and nausea and all of that. And so um, a big part of a music therapist's job is to help them with their anxiety as they're going through that whole entire three-year process. Yeah. Good one. Your favorite self-care practice? Uh, I do. Um, oh, I like to cook. Um, but I, I do Pilates and specifically on like a reformer machine. <laughs> have you ever done Pilates on a reformer machine? No, I have not. No, it's, it's different. It's like, um, uh, I, I love it so much. It's like the only exercise I've really been able to stick to. I've been doing it now for three years. And before I was like a chronic exercise starter and stopper, you know, and, um, it's kind of like yoga and strength training, but you're on a machine. So you get a deeper stretch and, um, it's, it's combined yoga and strength training. And I find it really, really energizing, but it's also not like too hard that you come home totally wiped out. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, it's, I absolutely love it. it it's a huge self-care thing for me. Awesome. Something that's currently adding value to your life. Oh, uh, I, without a doubt would have to say the, uh, the resource community that, uh, the music for kiddos resource community. Um, it's just, it's something special. It's like really, um, it just is really, it fills me up. And I think it does that for others in the group too. And it gives me more energy to do my day to day. Awesome. 
your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? <laughs> um, right now, my very favorite is, um, uh, it's a song that I have called Rocket While You Rock It. <laughs> um, so like Rocket, R-O-C-K-I-T, While You Rock It, like being a rocket. <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, kind of like cheesy, but it's this kind of like rock kind of song. And um, and then the kids, they climb into a rocket and then they blast off. And the reason that I've been um, really enjoying this song is because it literally makes kids squeal with glee. Um, <laughs> I've just been using it for a couple of weeks and I'm getting ready to release it on my uh, movement song um, course, mini course. And um, yeah, they've just been like completely, completely squealing with glee. I always look for like the the eyes lighting up, but um, this is like a whole new level <laughs> and really fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Making clients laugh is my favorite too. Oh, yeah. It's the absolute best. It is. it is. And lastly, where can people find you and connect with you? Um, so I am on Facebook, Music for Kiddos. I'm on Instagram for at Music for Kiddos. And um, on Instagram in particular, I do a lot in my stories just about like, hey, today I thought about this intervention tip and, and things like that. And that doesn't always show up on Facebook. So if you're really interested in like the um, the intervention tips and the thoughts about transitions and musical cues and all of that, then, then Instagram is probably the best place to, to reach me. Um, and then my, uh, website, just like my song of the month club, you, um, I send out like no more than a couple of emails a month. And one of them is the, uh, the freebie song and lyrics and implementation tips and all that. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all your wonderful insight today. Lots of lots of good nuggets in this one. And thank you for making the time to talk with me and be on the show. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me and thanks for doing this. Of course. Thank you. It's great <laughs> to to hear that people are listening and and enjoying the podcast. Yes, I keep hearing about it more and more and more. So oh, know, well done. That yeah. warms my heart. There there's yeah. not that many music therapists in um in New Hampshire, so I, I don't necessarily hear other than the people I actually know because there's not many of us. Well, you know what happened sense. is, yes, totally makes sense because I, yes, I started out in Idaho. Yeah. So, um, but people would just say it in passing. They're like, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so on Music Therapy Chronicles. So you should be very proud. It's, it's, it's Aww. definitely getting around. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that makes me yeah. so happy. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> All right, well, enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thanks, yeah. Lots and lots of good tips and tricks in that one. And I totally meant when I said halfway through the episode about these musical things, musical cues, using the music actively and how the more I go back and look at what I've learned and what I've seen along the way, the more it clicks where it's like, oh yeah, I can just lead with my voice. I can just add an extra 
cadential point into a piece of music to grab the client's attention, things like that. So hopefully you also learned a lot from this episode and definitely check out all the Music for Kiddos resources. They'll all be linked in the show notes. As always, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and finding us on social media. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, or if there's someone you want us to reach out to, you can send an email to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. This show isn't possible without our listeners and without our guests. So if you have any insight you want to share, something that you've recently had an epiphany about or are researching a project you're working on, anything to inspire the rest of the people listening, please don't hesitate to send an email over and be on the show. And lastly, please consider becoming a patron over on patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. Patrons have the exclusive opportunity to ask guest questions, which is awesome. So if there's a guest you've heard and you've thought before, wow, I really wish I could ask them this question. This is your opportunity. So when I schedule an interview, I post that on Patreon and you can ask your question over there. Again, um, this month, February, all Patreon contributions will be donated to the Australian Red Cross to assist with their relief efforts with the forest fires. So please consider uh, helping us out with that contribution. If everyone who listens to this episode donates a dollar, we will have a very sizable donation to give to them. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you in the next one. Bye.